if you looked at a tree that had no seed in it, it might look exactly like a tree that does. But they are radically different when you take a step back and actually think about what happens over the course of time. Uh, a tree that has the seed in its fruit is going to have the ability to replicate over hundreds or thousands of years, uh, whereas that, that tree that doesn't have any seed in its fruit, uh, it will only exist as long as that one plant or that one tree exists. So these are very different things. So we're going to ask you guys to ask the question constantly. When you look at any ministry, ask, is there a seed in the plant? Hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode you'll hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission, community, and discipleship. So today's episode was taken from one of our coaching intensives called Life on Life Discipleship where we provide you with personal coaching and equipping on your journey to taking on apprentices to multiply disciples. So to learn more about this coaching intensive, visit 1kh.org slash discipleship. And if you're interested in learning more about a thousand houses in general and want to check out some of our other resources, head on over to 1kh.org. Let's jump into today's episode. Okay, now we're going to dive into the whole topic of multiplication. And the power of multiplication is just a mathematical fact. It's one that we can see in the Bible that the entire Jewish race and the coming of the Messiah all came through one, uh, one couple, Abraham and Sarah. And so we can see how powerful that exponential impact has been on all of biblical history all the way up to this present day. And we've also recently seen the power of multiplication through what happens in a global pandemic. Uh, multiplication is one of the most powerful tools that exist for doing any good in the world. And so before we dive into all the very practical tools about how multiplication works in the disciple-making process, I just want us to take a minute, take a big step back and just elevate our value for multiplication. This is going to be a really important part of making sure that when we have these conversations and start implementing these tools uh, towards the end of the disciple-making process, that we, we really are doing this in a way to understand the importance of what, what this piece of disciple-making uh, really entails. And there are a lot of enemies to the idea of multiplication. There's a lot of forces at work that are trying to sterilize our efforts and make them all one-generational. And these can be typified in the Bible through a character in the beginning of the book of Exodus. We read about a, uh, a king of Egypt, the, the Pharaoh, who did not know about Joseph. And he had a strategy for sterilizing the multiplication that was erupting in his midst uh, with the Hebrew people. And so he was the one who was overseeing the, the slave empire that he had created with the Hebrews and it was uh, multiplying at, at a speed that really began to scare him. And so his strategy was to kill all of the male children in Egypt. And this attack of, the, uh, of an enemy against the multiplying efforts of the people of God uh, began with this, 
uh, this spirit of Pharaoh that, that existed in the book of Exodus and continues to this day, that we see lots of, of strategies that are coming against the, the need for us to multiply. And so this is one of the reasons why we have to kind of take a step back and understand this issue, because I think we've all been very influenced by this spirit, and we don't understand how critical multiplication is and how difficult it is to really see uh, any effort succeed when it is essentially sterile to begin with. Uh, And so we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 1 to understand the principle of multiplication. And it's really interesting how much God talks about this in Genesis 1. We're going to look at a couple of different uh, verses that, that talk about this, but he begins to talk about it in the third day of creation. And I want to read to you guys what, what it says there. It says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. So I got a question for you, uh, and that is, is there a seed in your fruit? Uh, You see that this is repeated over and over again in the third day of creation, that, that what is emphasized in the third day of creation more than anything else is the seed itself. And oftentimes when we think about the third day of creation, people say, yeah, that's when God made all the vegetation. That's not what the uh, first chapter of Genesis really emphasizes. What it says is he creates vegetation with the seed in it. He creates fruit-bearing trees with the seed in it. Why is this repeated over and over again? Why is this the emphasis of the third day of creation? And this is because if you, if God had created amazing trees and beautiful plants and all the vegetation we know on the earth, but it didn't have the seed in it, then we wouldn't even see those things today. They would have died out long ago. And the real miracle of, of plant life is the whole idea of the seed. That This is so far beyond what uh, just what we get to experience when we see the tree or the plant. We might look at it and say, wow, that's amazing. But when you take that seed and put it in the ground and it replicates itself, that is a whole other kind of amazing. And the fact that it does that naturally, even without any, any human inter- intervention, that God just designed it to replicate over and over again. That seeds, there are so many ingenious ways in which God has created various seeds to propagate and to move and to find new places. That, that vegetation that can't, doesn't have legs, doesn't have the ability to move, but has the ability to move its seed, to replicate its seed. It's such a mind-blowing fact of nature. And this is something that, again, Genesis 1 really talked about as being the real emphasis of the third day of creation. And so what does that mean? What does it mean for the fruit to have its seed in it, for for the plant to have its seed in it? What does that mean for ministry? And so I want to just talk about ministry in general. Um, You guys might have been a part of lots of different kinds of ministries, but there are some ministries that have the seed in it and some ministries that are sterile by design. And so if you guys have been a part of churches, I've been a part of two different kinds of churches. I've been the part of ki- kinds of churches that, that, have, that are essentially sterile. There's no real strategy for planting new churches. And the vast majority of churches are like that. They don't have an aggressive, thought-out emphasis on how, how is this going to replicate. But every once in a while, you'll find a church that has a church planting strategy, that has a seed inside of its ministry, and that when they look at what they've actually done as a church and they count the fruit, 
they are constantly counting all of the churches that they have planted. That's an example of that kind of a thing. There are youth ministries, right, that have, that say, we just are here to serve these kids. And then there are youth ministries that are saying, we're here to raise up a whole another generation of people and that will replicate what we've done in other cities and other churches and other places and other schools. That is a ministry that has the seed in it versus a ministry that is essentially sterile by design. And most people, they look at a ministry and they don't actually differentiate. We do not have this third day of creation idea that we need to make sure that our ministry is a kind of ministry that has within it its seed. And what you guys are a part of right now, this coaching intensive, it was really important to us that when we designed this, that inside of this coaching intensive is not just the ability to coach people, but also the ability for this to multiply to more and more and more people. And so th- this ministry itself is by design, has a seed inside of it that is designed to sprout and to replicate and to multiply. And in the same way that uh, your discipleship ministry could be sterile or it could have the seed in it. But I want, I want you guys to understand how, how different these two designs are. They will look very similar. If you looked at a tree that had no seed in it, it might look exactly like a tree that does. But they are radically different when you take a step back and actually think about what happens over the course of time. Uh, a, a tree that has the seed in its fruit is going to have the ability to replicate over hundreds or thousands of years, uh, whereas that, that tree that doesn't have any seed in its fruit uh, it will only exist as long as that one plant or that one tree exists. So these are very different things. So we're going to ask you guys to ask the question constantly. When you look at any ministry, ask, is there a seed in the plant? Now, um, the book of uh, the first chapter of Genesis continues to emphasize this topic of multiplication. As we get down to uh, towards the end of the chapter, Genesis 1.28, we read, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And so the way that God designed us to bring order to the world is through this process. Healthy organisms become fruitful. Fruitful organisms multiply. And multiplying organisms subdue. This is the basic pattern that God created in Genesis 1. And so this is true, again, of every organism. This is true of families. This is true of ministries. If you are a healthy ministry, you should be fruitful. Make sure that you're fruitful. If you're fruitful, then you need to make sure you are multiplying. And if you have both fruitfulness and multiplication, then you're going to begin to subdue. Or if uh, after Genesis 3 with the fall, instead of just thinking about subduing, we're really thinking about restoring. There's nothing we're going to, sin is Sin itself is such a powerful replicating virus that the only thing that can counter the effects of sin in the world is a restoring and multiplying ministry. There's You're not going to get there through one generation ministries. We're all, you cannot fight a multiplying force with an addition strategy. And so uh, we need to, to understand that this is the basic nature of the way that things work in the world. And in the Great Commission, Jesus made this very clear. He, he himself had made disciples. He was telling those disciples to go make disciples and to obey the command to make disciples. Therefore, inside of the ministry Jesus was commanding in Matthew 28 was the seed of multiplication. He put it in that seed. And for every single one of us listening to uh, this conversation right now um, about discipleship, we're only a believer. I'm only a believer in Jesus and a disciple of Jesus because he placed the seed of multiplication inside of his Matthew 28 strategy. So it's really important for us to become extremely aware and sensitive to that topic. Now, at the very beginning of, of this verse we read, 
Let me read the verse again. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Um, the very first thing we read there is God said, uh, and God blessed them. Now, oftentimes uh, people kind of from our culture read the word and God blessed them. And just, we kind of think of almost like a little bit uh, sentimental, like he's patting them on the head and saying, you know, good luck, little one, you know, and that's not what's happening. This is actually a technical and a very powerful thing that we're being introduced to that's being teased out uh, throughout the book of Genesis and throughout the Bible. Uh, and that is the, what, what is a blessing? What is it, what does it actually mean specifically when it, when God decides to bless them? Okay, so I want to I want to kind of describe what the this idea of blessing is all about and how this would have been read by the people who first read the book of Genesis. They didn't think about that as being sort of a small thing. And if you continue to read through Genesis, you'll see that a blessing is a very very big deal. This was a huge part of the uh, of the story of of the way that Isaac interacted with with Jacob and Esau. That's another example of where they took this incredibly seriously. And we kind of look at this and think about it um, sort of as just a side issue. So to understand what a blessing is, you have to first understand kind of the way the way that that the category that that this idea sits inside of. And the category it's inside of is reaping and sowing. And so if you go out, and I'll just give you guys an example. If you go out to to sow an acre of of uh, wheat, and you expect that if I sow this entire acre, I expect to get about 10 bushels of, of wheat from this single acre. Now that would be not blessing, and that would not be uh, being cursed. That would be just reaping what you sow. I got 10 bushels. I sowed uh, this entire acre. I expect to get 10 bushels. I got 10 bushels back. So that, that, is, that is sort of being neutral. And, and this is the category that blessing fits in. If I were to go out to that acre that I worked so hard at, at the sweat of my brow, and tried so hard to get these 10 bushels, and I expected 10 bushels, but because there was a hailstorm the night before I went out to harvest, and I only end up with a single bushel instead of 10, then that would be the feeling of being it being cursed. This is what God says to Adam. He says, I'm going to curse the ground because of you. And there, there will be disasters that will overtake your best efforts. And when you expect to get 10 bushels, sometimes you're just going to get one. And that is the result of the fall. We live in a fallen world. And the way that God actually describes that in Genesis 3 is to say the ground has been cursed because of you. And so that would be a situation where uh, that uh, my efforts would have would feel like they're being cursed. Um, they're, they're being impacted by this this creation-wide curse that occurred in Genesis 3. Now, what happens if I go out to my acre and I expect to harvest 10 bushels, and when I actually go to harvest, I get 20 bushels? That is a blessing. Why? Because what I did went beyond what I expected and multiplied. So this is the way they thought about blessing. Blessing is related to your efforts being multiplied beyond what you would normally expect because the seed inside of what you created was exceptionally fruitful. This is why when we read in Genesis 24, when Rebecca is being sent off by her family to marry Isaac, it says, and they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands. That was the blessing. May what you do and who you are multiply. And so God blessed Abraham, we read in Genesis 12, and that is the reason why his line has persisted for thousands of years and has multiplied. 
And God said that over and over again to Abraham. Look at the stars. Look at the sand. You can't count them. I'm going to bless you that much. So to be blessed is to see the efforts that you're associated with multiply. Uh, to just be in a neutral position is to see that you reap what you sow and to constantly experience the fact that that my best efforts seem to always come up with with um, just a shortage of what I would expect. That is the situation where I'm battling a curse of some kind. That's the way that, that the book of Genesis describes those things. Now, one of the great things about being on this side of the cross is that Jesus does not only cover us from our sins and pay for our penalty and take our place. But according to Galatians 3, uh, he also absorbed the curse. Uh, we read in Galatians 3.13 um, that, that cursed be everyone who hangs on a tree. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 21. And so the reason why Jesus was crucified, put on wood, was not just because the Romans were into crucifixion. It was specifically designed that way so that he could absorb these curses. And so I don't believe that we're supposed to say, oh, look, we live in a fallen world. All of our efforts are going to be cursed. There's nothing we can do about it now. There is something we can do about it now. Through the gospel, we have access to, to all of the multiplication uh, blessings and that God wanted to give us in Genesis 1. And so we want to appropriate those blessings in every ministry we're a part of. Make sure that there's seed in the blessing and that we're asking for the blessing of the Lord to multiply the works that we're doing. Um, and so much is at stake because the difference, again, between addition and multiplication is so vast. We need the blessing of the Lord on all of the things that we're doing. And so I want to give you guys uh, five things to think about when you're trying to increase your value for multiplication. Number one, pray for it. Ask God to bless what you're doing. When you're setting out on any ministry, especially a ministry like disciple making, ask the Lord to bless what you're doing. And when you think of blessing, think of multiplication. You're asking the Lord to multiply to the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh generation of what your efforts are doing. That's what you're asking for. So we want to stir that up and we want to recognize that we need the blessing of God for multiplication to really take root in all of our efforts and whatever ministries we're part of. Number two, expect Pharaoh to come against you. There are sterilizing efforts, enemies that understand the power of multiplication that will constantly try to woo you away from something that's multi mul that multiplies. Because things that multiply oftentimes start very slow and look very insignificant. And so we need to understand that they're attacked because they have the power to exponentially increase. And so we need to expect that those things are going to happen. Uh, number three, make sure that you, we're investing in people that are faithful to multiply. So part of what we need to be doing is if we're going to have seed inside of our ministries, we need to be, be actively thinking about are there people that are really good soil? And this is what Jesus talked about in the parable of the soils. He said, look, you're going to go out and some of your efforts are going to fall in different kinds of soil. But man, there's a kind of soil that will give you 30, 60, 100 fold. We need to be looking for that kind of soil. Number four, watch your fruit to see if the seed is in the fruit. Like be very, take very seriously this, this, uh, this need to understand the difference between having a sterile plant and having something that's ultimately really fruitful and multiplies. And then I want you to see the many in the one. When you are spending time in this very small initial efforts, don't despise those days of small beginnings, but see what could and does exponent, exponentially happen when you're investing in a multiplication strategy. Um, so we want to be really careful to do that. So um, the, the real lesson here, you guys, is that always make sure there's a seed in your ministry. And when we start to dive into the tools for multiplication, take this part very seriously to understand it'll be really easy to neglect uh, this particular part of, of our efforts. But we have to choose to uh, see the value in, in multiplication and to discern between 
between multiplication and blessing and the seed inside the fruit and sterile efforts that are that are maybe really flashy big look really valuable but are not designed to multiply and so the kinds of things that the kind of fruit we're going to get from that kind of ministry is going to be very different than the kind of fruit we're looking for in disciple making Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a deep desire to actually make disciples in your context, but you simply don't know how, we'd love to invite you to apply for our coaching intensive called Life on Life Discipleship, where you're going to work through online content and receive personal coaching on this journey to making disciples that multiply. So for more information and to apply for this coaching, head over to 1kh.org slash discipleship. We'll see you for the next episode.